Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Wednesday. It is August 24th. Ohio State is back on the practice field this evening. This is Jeremy Birmingham and Bill Landis from the podcast. We're talking about Ohio State recruiting stuff because it seems like we do this on Wednesday. I don't know why, but it's Wednesdays we talk recruiting. Wednesdays we talk recruiting. Wednesdays we wear pink. Wednesdays we talk recruiting. I'm wearing pink. That's I, crazy. That's more like a Sabbath. Yeah, but it's also Tuesday when we're recording this. Shh, so folks, I've lied to you and I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, Bill, welcome to the podcast daily. Thanks. We're out here outside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday night. Power of the internet, magic. Um, and wanting to kind of just deep dive, I guess, into the class of 2023 for Ohio State, where things currently stand. And here's the bigger question, Bill. Who are the concerns? Where are the worries? And we live in such a unique time in the world of college football recruiting that even when you feel like you don't have any reason to worry, like there's probably a worry that's trying to percolate, right? Something yeah. that's trying to creep up. So let's just go down the list. Let's just go. Let's just knock it out position by position. Let's do it. Ohio State class of 2023, one of the top five classes in the country. The Buckeyes continue to be um, a program that recruits better than pretty much anybody, but it's a new era. Quarterback, Brock Glenn, Memphis, Tennessee, Committed to Ohio State about a month ago. Things seem pretty calm at quarterback. He's a guy that people haven't really spoken much about before he committed or after he's committed, but locked in solid with Ohio State. And he's a player that Ohio State just likes having that guy who they feel like they can develop over a couple of years. What I found interesting about Brock is he didn't have to come here to throw to earn his offer. And we all were here watching Austin Dobasad throw on June 1st to get his offer. I think June 1st, June 3rd, June 1st, early June to get his offer. Uh, and I thought that Brock was going to have to come to do the same before he got his. And he didn't have to. Um, and I think that should tell you a little bit about Ohio State views him uh, as a player. So I know he's not the most talked about guy in this class, uh, but he was an Elite 11 uh participant for a reason i think he's a really solid quarterback and honestly thinking about where they are at the position maybe kind of the perfect guy to bring in at this particular time for Ohio State quarterback. i think what's really fascinating about that is that he was supposed to come here a week later in camp and throw and didn't and then they offered him anyway yep. um, which was telling because it really does speak to the fact that that was a guy that ryan day and Corey dennis had sort of circled for a few months that this was the guy they thought could be the right fit Auburn and Florida State thought they were in the driver's seat. Ohio State came in, swooped him. Whoop. Running back is another position where there was some swooping, right? Swooping. Swooping. A lot of swooping. And that swoop was Mark Fletcher when he visited here in April for the Ohio State spring game. A big-time, big bruising back out of South Florida American Heritage High School in Florida, Fort Lauderdale. Teammate of Brandon Innes, wide receiver, five-star committed to Ohio State. It seems like... Ever since Mark Fletcher committed, there's been this undertone of like, but is it gonna is it gonna stick? Is it gonna stick? Is it gonna stick? Miami constantly trying to keep the best players in South Florida at home. Here we are. It's almost the start of the season. Mark Fletcher and his family will be back to Columbus for the Notre Dame game. But it does feel like there's always still this worry that maybe something will fall apart there. And uh, I think from an Ohio State perspective, you just have to figure out what do you need from us to make sure that. Yeah. Doesn't happen. I think that's a common fear with South Florida guys, right? I think that's always kind of in the back of your mind a little bit till they sign. I think it probably helps Ohio State that at the moment he's the only back, and I think we probably think he'll end up being the only back in that class. And remember when he committed, everyone, you know, people were excited that he committed, but I think also in the back of everyone's minds, they thought he'd be 
the addition to a higher rank back in this class. Mark Fletcher is really good. Yeah. Like his, if you watch his high school tape, it's phenomenal. I, I don't know what he's ranked, like in the 200 or something. Um, I think he should probably be a little higher than that. He is, without a doubt, a guy who, who, if he is the lone back in this class, is a good enough back to be, you know, the guy. Right. Who Ohio State took a commitment from Mark Fletcher, knowing full well that it could upset the apple cart and cost them a chance at someone like Richard Young or or Cedric Baxter or. Uh, Justice Haynes, and they said, you know, screw it. We're taking the guy that wants to commit because they believe that he's good enough. And there is still that fight. And that's one, if I guess, if I'm putting it in the column of is it over or not over, I would say that one's probably not over over because Miami is not going to let that go until signing day. Would you bet your life wallet on it? I wouldn't bet my life wallet on it, but I would bet my life that life wallet is trying to (laughs) keep Mark Fletcher from leaving South Florida. Um, wide receiver is another spot where Florida obviously plays a big part in. Ohio State's got four commitments at wide receiver. Two of them are are from Florida when you have Brandon Innes and Carnell Tate, who is originally from Chicago, down at IMG Academy. Got Noah Rogers, big-time athlete out of North Carolina. Um, and, and then you have Bryson Rogers. So I'm sorry, three guys down there in Florida. Bryson Rogers from Ohio originally, so I was getting a little my getting my, my tongue tied. It's another one of those situations where, if you, again, and this I think this is the game we're now playing. We're not playing in or out because all these guys are currently in. But let's put them in columns, right? Is yeah. there a concern? Is there not a concern? All th- three wide receivers, I would say for sure, are not concerns. Noah Rogers, not a concern. Bryson Rogers, not a concern. Brandon Ennis, not a concern. There's always going to be a concern on Carnell Tate until signing day because that's just the way this seems to go in every team around the country. Or every year, there's kind of one of these players or two that other schools just think that they have a chance. They have an opportunity to keep driving a wedge. Yeah. And it seems like Carnell Tate's that guy. Played the recruiting game a little bit, right? Yeah. I think when you when you open that door, that, that you invite those kind of things. And whatever, I mean, that's that's his prerogative. If I were a recruit, I might, I might want to play the game a little bit too. I think it's probably fun to have all, all the programs around the country kind of falling over you. Um, I still think they're in a really good position. I'll take Brian Hartline over anybody. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that you would put Noah Rogers in the comfortable column because I still wonder about NC State a little bit just given his proximity to that program and how easy it would be for him to get there if he ever wanted to. Yeah, and that's just one of those spots where I think the difference between Ohio State and NC State as far as the long-term development and the relationship with Brian Hartline specifically is that just that much better. I know NC State is certainly not walking away from that or giving up hope, but everything I've heard, everything we hear from Noah Rogers and other people around this area – seem to say that they feel pretty good there. At What we've always seen is that kids who are far far away from Ohio, the, the kids that are farther away from Ohio State, as you get closer to signing day, those concerns amplify those yeah. worries about, am I really fully ready to sign on the dotted line and move away from home? So I wouldn't be surprised if November he takes a visit somewhere. But the one thing you realize, a lot of these kids haven't really had much of a chance to take the game day visits and do all that stuff, really, the way that kids three, four years ago would do. Now they got some of it back last year, but it was still a weird year for a lot of kids. High school sports or football playing at that time. All three of the receivers will be here, or three of the receivers will be here for the Notre Dame game. Carnell Tate will not because he's playing in St. Louis the night before and is not going to get here for that game. So that's just going to add to that worry or concern. I don't think there's any real concern yet, but I know Tennessee, Miami, Oregon, and others are going to keep trying to just drive a wedge. And as you said, they're like vampires in a way. Like, the minute you open the door and invite them in, then all of a sudden there's a there's at least a chance that your neck's going to get destroyed and you're going to be you know turned, right? Turned with a with a big old bag of nil money. Right, yeah. uh, tight end. Speaking of nil money, Jelani Thurman is a player that Ohio State had to kind of fight with some schools who were 
going heavy in that direction in the Jelani Thurman recruitment. He picked Ohio State after visiting here in June. Seems like all pretty good there. There hasn't been concerns. He did visit Auburn like immediately after yeah, the recruiting uh, dead period ended in July, but there's not a concern from talking to people. He, he had told Ohio State he was going there to hang out with some of his friends and went there with some of his buddies uh, who were also being recruited by Auburn. Not a concern. That's a kid uh, in Georgia who, when you talk about people who are not really discussed enough in this class, that big six foot five, 235 pound frame of his, very athletic, really good athletic basketball player. Father was an NFL player. Like, you know, you got bloodlines there. Um, and, and it's a reason why Ohio State, again, when we talk about Mark Fletcher, like they, you don't want to risk upsetting things when you have a comfortable class building. But Ohio State felt strongly enough about Jelani Thurman that it knew there was a chance it could upset things with Ty Lockwood, who they who was the first commitment in the class, and still yeah. said, let's let's go after it anyway. So it does give you some insight into how they see him. Yeah, I like banking on that upside. You don't I think they would very much like to have Jelani Thurman and Ty Lockwood in this class, and I think you and I both believe Ty Lockwood's gonna be a really good player. I also think that Jelani Thurman's probably got a higher ceiling at the position. So um, if if the end result of wanting to bring him in is you lose a guy I think you live with it, especially at that position where you're not expecting whoever that guy is to come in and make an immediate yeah. impact. Jelani Thurman is going to take a couple of years to, to grow as a blocker, like many guys in this offense have had to do before. But man, that that combination of uh, athletic ability, uh, ball tracking, receiver skill is really enticing. Right, that's why I say wanted him and Ty Lockwood because they're complementary parts, and not that Ty can't get down the field and catch the ball, but he's a bigger bruiser type. Yeah. Whereas Jelani has the opportunity to play a little bit more in that stretch tight end role where you get down and. And, and catch the ball. Offensive line, still one of those weird spots. Like we have three commitments from Ohio. Then you got Miles Frazier, the offensive line. Miles Frazier? Miles Frazier, right? Miles Walker. Miles Walker. Miles Frazier is the kid who transferred from uh, somewhere, from Florida yeah. International yeah. to LSU last year. Miles Walker. Also an offensive line. Yeah. yeah. So you can understand the confusion here, folks. Miles Walker doesn't talk much to anyone, but he's a guy Ohio State has a really uh, a strong belief has a major upside, r- raw, but learning the position and has all the physical tools. They really like what they have out of him. No concern with him. No concern with Josh Padilla. No concern with Luke Montgomery or Austin Sarabelle, the three in-state stars who um, are going to hopefully be the anchor of the offensive line for Ohio State in a few years. I watched Luke Montgomery play last week, uh, his first game of his senior year. He played left tackle, looked like significantly bigger than he was even on this field back here in June. And you start to see the, the pieces coming together for him to be a really uh, a big contributor at right tackle for Ohio State. I, I'm still curious about Josh Padilla and his development, if he's going to be a center or a yeah. guard, but um, I, I like that trio, and I think it couldn't have worked out better for Justin Fry in his first year at Ohio State than to come in and have three guys in the state. Yeah, that was huge for him. And those are those are battles, too, that I think people probably take for granted, but are not battles maybe Ohio State has won enough or, or put enough effort into maybe um, over the last couple of years. So that was nice to see uh, – Justin Fry win those three. Is there any chance of Samson Okunlola showing up in Columbus this fall? Chances are pretty good. Chances of it happening next week, I would say, are slim to none. Okay. Uh, Ohio State is kind of banking on getting him here for the Michigan game in November and and just sort of letting this ride out. They are still interested in adding another offensive tackle to this class, but it is going to have to be one of those big, big fish around the country. That's not a spot where they're going to add another development guy because Miles Walker is a yeah. developmental player. And so you have, you know, the, the need to get someone who's more of a sure thing ready to go. And so they're going to take these next few months, really evaluate and figure out who the best fit is. Samson Okanola is a guy that Justin Fry's recruited extremely hard 
for the last eight months, but just hasn't been here. And uh, once you get to the season and official visits happen and you can sort of get guys around the country a little easier because it's being paid for by the school, like officially paid for by the school, legally uh, legally paid for by the school, then you at least open the door. There is an expectation at this point that he will be here for that. Offense, two guys we're worried about. Mark Fletcher, Carnell Tate. If I had to put a number on it, I guess because that's what we do. Yeah, put a number on it. What's the scale? Uh, one to ten, ten being the most alarmed. I would say probably a six on Mark Fletcher and probably a three on Carnell Tate. Six is pretty high at this point. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's going to be a concern. It has been a concern for months. Miami has con- has never backed off. They've never relented. And so, as you get into the season, and again, as as you get closer to signing day, and it becomes harder and harder to actually sign it on the dotted line, it will get harder. Ohio State's going to need to make sure. They emphasize with Mark Fletcher that you are the guy in our class. You are the running back we've been counting on. We were thinking about taking two. Now we're only taking one, and it's you. And it's not you're not a compliment. You are the the star of, at that spot. So um, I don't believe that there's any reason to doubt that Tony Alford is making that a priority. But yeah. it is not the na- the same world we've lived in for the last ten years. So recruiting is different. Let's flip to defense. Go back to offense. No, well we're we're going to edit the podcast on the fly. Should we leave them hanging a little bit? Maybe do defense on the daily. I mean, for the next day. I don't know. Do you want to? Let's we're leave. Losing, well, mostly because we're losing daylight. Well, we are losing daylight. <laughs> um, let, let's let's do that. Let's we'll, we'll we'll break here. We'll take a moment. As of right now, Ohio State's recruiting class: twenty commitments, top two in the country according to Rivals.com, uh, right behind Alabama. But it feels like, and it has felt like for a while, that there's like this teeter totter momentum. Like, are they going to go? Is it going to turn really good, or is it something going to happen to make it break up? I'm um, yeah. of the mindset that it's going to end up being pretty good. I think it's going to end up being pretty, pretty good, and I think there was a there was a moment where it kind of felt like it was all going to fall apart. Yeah. It didn't happen. I feel like that that part has at least calmed down. You know, you have a lot a long time between now and when guys start signing in December, and anything can happen. But uh, I feel much better about where they're at than I felt maybe two months ago. Yeah, and that and that credit goes to some of the guys that are in this class, especially in the offensive side of the ball. Brandon Innes, for a guy that, you know, isn't a, a big rah-rah guy on social media, is not out there doing a lot of look-at-me stuff. He is a really aggressive team leader and, and recruiting leader for Ohio State. When you lose Ty Lockwood, who was the first commitment in the class and was a very vocal, um, you know, co-recruiter along with Luke Montgomery, it's been huge for Ohio State to see Brandon Innes step up into that role. That's a kid who I think once he gets here, people are just going to love him. He's yeah. such a competitive person, and he's taken that competition, that spirit of competition that he takes on the field. He's now moving that into the recruiting side, and you can see it. You can see it when he's recruiting Keon Keeley. You can see what he was doing with Jaden Bonsu. You can see even though they fell short with Caleb Downs, he was all over him. Uh, that sort of stuff you need. You have to have it because in a, in a world of recruiting where name, image, and likeness and transfer portals and all this stuff happen, you got to have someone that stands up and says, hey, this is our group. And we're going to be the best out there. And I, I think I don't want to speak for anyone in Ohio State, but I bet they're pretty damned happy that Brandon Ennis has taken on that role. Yeah, I bet they are too. He also happens to be a really good football player. Yeah, he's um, a, and he is on ESPN this weekend. He's right? on ESPN this weekend against um, uh, California powerhouse, I guess, uh, a Los Alamitos with um, Malachi Nelson. Nelson, the number one ranked quarterback in the country, according to some folks, committed to USC, flirting with Texas A&M. I mean, this is, we're in such a weird time. And, and like, here you go. You have, I mean, now I'm just going to spin off on a tangent, but you have the number one ranked player in the country, according to some folks, a quarterback from Los Angeles 
in the backyard of USC, been committed to USC for a year now, was committed to Lincoln Riley before that when he was going to when he was at Oklahoma. This is a kid who all he wants to do is play for Lincoln Riley. And now all of a sudden there's all this talk about, well, maybe Texas A&M, they're making a big push. NIL changes everything. And I don't think it's I don't think it's unfair to say that at this point, programs around the country, no matter how good they are, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, everyone is scratching their head going, how the hell do we balance the right people with the right decisions for the program? Because at some point, every one of these kids is going to have an opportunity to say, money, please, and get it. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. How do, how do you balance that? That was not, uh, what's, what's, uh, Saperstein, what's her, what's her, what's John Ralphio's sister? Money, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it for us guys. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we always find a way to take things just a little bit off the rails. And I personally, Mona Lisa Saperstein. Thank you. I, I personally apologize to everyone except for Mona Lisa Saperstein. Give me a call girl. What's up? Uh, that's Bill Landis. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is the podcast <laughs> daily. Thanks for watching. We'll be back with the defensive side of the recruiting class on Thursday. Goodbye.